0: Filled with teaching, truths and issues that matter. Bernie Diamond's A Different Perspective. Part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Our series is entitled... The Son of God. Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 1. Well, we've seen in the last few lessons from John's Gospel, in this verse by verse commentary, Jesus confronting or being confronted by his opponents. It is a struggle between spirituality and religiosity, between genuineness and hypocrisy, between light and darkness, and Jesus doesn't hold back or flinch. He comes full force when facing his enemies. But in the midst of all the controversy, and I know it's uncomfortable, Jesus makes a stunning announcement. It's an invitation. And it's one we would do well to accept. And the sooner, the better. It's still open to us, but there's not lots and lots of time either. And besides, when the train comes to the platform and the door swings open, why do you stand there and look at it? Get in, because it's a great ride that lies ahead. This lesson is entitled Rivers of Living Water, from John chapter 7, verses 37 to 43. Now, some of you may recognize this phrase immediately, because it is actually talking about the Holy Spirit. John's Gospel gives good coverage of the teaching of Jesus about the third person of the Godhead, the precious Holy Spirit. He is the one that's with us here on this planet. Oh, yes, we vigorously affirm there is only one God. But we also know that Jesus taught, as one who had risen from the dead, he ought to know what he's saying, that there is one God, and that when we are baptized, we're baptized in the name of the one God. Using this phrase or baptismal formula, be baptized in the name singular of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So from Genesis one twenty six, which affirms, let us make man in our image, all the way to the baptismal formula, or to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. From 2 Corinthians thirteen verse fourteen, we get some important information about this wonderful person of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to learn a little bit of him in this lesson. And not just that, there's a practical side. If we're going to receive Jesus' invitation, it has to be done completely on his terms. Let me read to you a little portion from our passage for today. It says in verse 37, If any man thirst, let him come unto me, and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This is the invitation. And what an amazing invitation it is. Because it speaks about people being thirsty. And we should all be thirsty because without life in Christ, we're not just thirsty and hungry. We are actually dying because of spiritual hunger and thirst. We believe that the hunger is satisfied by the Word of God, by sound doctrine, which of course is solidly based on the Word of God, but it's not enough just to have the Word of God alone. We need the Holy Spirit, because without the Holy Spirit, God's Word is not life-giving. You need the Holy Spirit to breathe on God's Word, because that's how it came about in the first place. All Scripture is God breathed? Theopanustos is what is used in Second Timothy three sixteen. All scriptures inspired or God breathed, and all scripture is profitable. So far, so good. But we also need the Holy Spirit, the one who inspired scripture in the first place, to quicken God's word in our hearing. Wonderful. So, with that in mind, let us remember that in this lesson we're given a great invitation the promise of rivers of living water, we're going to learn about the prophet, the Christ, the seed of David, and yet even there there will be division. Of course, because words of spirit and life will come in a head-on collision with darkness and hypocrisy. Let us read the entire portion from John chapter 7, verses 37 to 43. Our lesson is called Rivers of Living Water. Again, from John 7, verses 37 to 43. Let's listen carefully to the word of the Lord. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, As the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they had heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man lay hands on him. A reading is from John chapter 7, verses 37 to 43. And our lesson is called Rivers of Living Water. Friends, let me tell you, do everything in your power to receive these rivers of living water. It will transform your life. And it will lift you to a level you never thought possible in your spiritual walk. There is anointing, emboldening, empowerment, and amazing wisdom, insight, and access to the wonderful things of the Spirit. This is a great promise of the lord and one we would do well to accept let me call it the great invitation let's begin with verse 37 of john 7 jesus made a risky trip to jerusalem in order to observe the feast of tabernacles which was what every pious jew would try to do anyway in obedience to the law of moses that said israelite men should appear three times in a year before the lord which in this case would be the temple in Jerusalem they should come for the Passover for the Feast of Pentecost and finally the Feast of Tabernacles and it's this latter one where Jesus is now attending the religious elite sought to kill him that's why he was not in a hurry to return to Judea yet despite the danger Jesus openly taught and dialogued about his identity he engaged in debate and though there were some intentions to arrest him nobody did so not yet at least why because as it says repeatedly his time had not yet come time meaning as we've shared before kairos k-a-i-r-o-s his kairos time had not yet come which means his god-given opportunity now after one week on the last day of the feast of tabernacles which is referred to as that great day of the feast. Jesus gives the grand declaration. If any man is thirsty, come to me and drink. In chapter six, Jesus spoke about being the bread of life or bread of heaven or bread that came down from heaven and gives life to the world. This bread satisfies spiritual hunger that leads to everlasting life. Now, here in John chapter seven, Jesus speaks about quenching our spiritual thirst. He is the source of the bread of life, and he's the source of rivers of living water. So if you are thirsty, what do you do? It's very practical. You come to Jesus and you drink. And remember, as I've shared so often, and I never tire of repeating it, the biblical Christian life is a spiritual life. Not a religious life. Religious life is our own human effort, works, do's and don'ts, regulations, thinking that somehow we are going to earn God's favor or his salvation through our own feeble flesh. It's different. In order to please God, it's not what we do, but it's what Christ has already done. It is finished. There's nothing more we need to do for our salvation except to believe and receive. And when that happens, we are born again of the Spirit. We are baptized in the Spirit. We are filled with the Spirit. And we learn to walk in the Spirit. All of this is part of the biblical Christian life that pleases God. So we are coming to Jesus to drink. Then it says in verse 38 of John 7, Rivers of living water. He who believes in Jesus will not merely receive a cup of cold water. They will obtain rivers. And please note, this is in the plural, not singular. Rivers of living water. This applies to all who believe on him. God always does exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. That's what it tells us in Ephesians 3 and verse 20. But what about those immortal words that were said by David in the 23rd Psalm, verse 5. Listen carefully. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. What an amazing description of baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is an anointing, like with oil, upon our head. It is a cup that doesn't just have enough to fill the cup, it actually overflows. And this is incredibly important because we may be content with a cup full of living water, but God demands indeed the overflow. And for this reason, out of the overflow of our cup comes blessing and ministry to other people. That's why we have the overflow. It's not about us, and it's not strictly just for us. It's God using us to bless the world. So, rivers of living water, what is Jesus talking about? Well, clarity is given in the very next verse, John 7:39. This is one of the key references to the person and work of the Holy Spirit found in John's gospel. The reference to rivers of living water is a metaphor of the Holy Spirit himself. Everyone who believes in Jesus will receive the gift of the Spirit. Now, I heard this phrase years ago, and I pass it on. I don't know who coined it, but it's excellent. Because, after all, salvation is a gift to the sinner. We cannot earn this priceless salvation. It's too much beyond our reach. If we worked a million years, we could not earn it at all. So God gives it to us for free. Believe and receive. But just as salvation is a gift to the sinner, the Holy Spirit is a gift to the believer. Peter says so in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Praise God for that. The Spirit would only be given after, and I repeat, after Jesus was glorified, meaning after his death, resurrection and ascension that's when the Holy Spirit will be poured out God's best is worth the wait now remember that in the Old Testament time only a few people of the children of Israel were recipients of the Holy Spirit filling and this usually was represented by the anointing the anointing was given to the prophets anointing was given to the priests and anointing was given to the kings Prophets, priests, and kings. But after Jesus, all who believe would receive not just a filling of the Spirit, but a permanent immersion of the Spirit, which we know is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which John the Baptist refers to in the Gospels. He says, the one coming after me is mighter in me, who is so honorable that I am not worthy even to untie his sandals. He's the one who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That he, of course, is Jesus. And that immersion is in the Spirit. Put it this way. When you have the permanent immersion, you always have access to the Spirit. He's as close to you as your next breath. If you don't have the immersion, but you have the anointing, say of an Old Testament style, it's pretty much like a lithium battery pack. There'll be a lot of power for the time being but eventually the power runs out but when you have a permanent immersion of the spirit it can never run out that's like being on the ocean and never running out of water the prophet john seven forty. once jesus spoke these powerful anointed and authoritative words many people stood back and declared of a truth this is the prophet please note the definite article they were probably referring to the coming prophet whom Moses alluded to in the book of Deuteronomy, and the book of Deuteronomy is chapter 18, verses 15 to 18. All right, that's the coming prophet. Israel had several renowned prophets, but Deuteronomy 18 speaks of the prophet, the one coming in the footsteps of Moses. Failure to heed this prophet's words would result in being cut off from the chosen people, which, according to Romans 11, is the breaking off of the natural branches from the olive tree, but also, as we learn, grafting in the wild branches, which were the former Gentiles, now the people of God, by faith in Messiah. In John 7.41, others said that Jesus is more than the prophet. He is the Christ, the Messiah. Yet others doubted this simply because Jesus came from Galilee. And here was the debate. John 7.42 Others rightly pointed out that Messiah must come from the seed of David and from the city of David, namely Bethlehem. This is particularly emphasized in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that makes it plain that Messiah would come from Bethlehem of Judah. Now, this crowd was, of course, ignorant of the fact that though Jesus lived in Galilee, he was born in Bethlehem. They were equally ignorant that he was of the house and lineage of David, as is made very clear and plain in the genealogies found in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3. So there was division among them, John seven forty three. Because of these things, there was the pro and anti Jesus camp. Christ's words is like a sword that divides the soul from the spirit, the bone from the marrow, the believers from the unbelievers. And then our final verse for this lesson, John 7:44. not yet. The anti-Jesus camp wanted to seize him, but no one dared to lay any hands on him. In part, it was because many supported Christ, and there could have been trouble if he was mistreated. But second, his anointing and authority made him untouchable because, of course, his time had not come. That's the final reason. The time of his passion, the Kairos time, was still yet in the future, but it would be fulfilled very, very soon. Now, our lesson is called Rivers of Living Water. And our lesson for life is this. God has promised the Holy Spirit to all who believe in Jesus. Therefore, if you believe, it is time to receive